Lord, what a glorious occasion it is to welcome into your family our babies today, that we all stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us and we recognize them and are grateful for their witness in our lives and the way they have encouraged us throughout the ages. And we pray that as we ponder these great truths that you would think our thoughts, that my words would be yours, and you would take every single one of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, why do we celebrate All Saints Sunday when you think about it? Well, it's because we're forgetful people. We forget the faithful witnesses. We forget what it means to follow Christ even in our day. And so we have these holidays to remind us of who we are. This isn't just what we do. It's who you are in Christ recognizing those before us who have walked so faithfully as we stand on the reality of Jesus' love for us. We're his followers. And because we're his followers, we too are his saints. So it's quite appropriate to call us Saint Bob, Saint Joe, Saint June, because we're in Christ together as God's people. But you know, as we're bringing Thea and Co. for baptism, the results are in over the past 75 years of children's ministry and youth ministry and what we've discovered. That the main religion in America today is moralistic, therapeutic deism. These are kids that grew up in churches, all kinds of churches. But the vast majority of them, even, though, if they, even if it was a faithful church, many of them believe in moralism, be a good person to what you define good to be, therapeutic, God is with you when you need him, if you need him, and deism means he really doesn't have much impact in my life. You know, he's there, but deism is the belief that God's the cosmic watchmaker, he wound the clock up set the earth in motion, and has had nothing to do with it ever since. That's the vast majority of people today, if you, if you pin them down to it. And so, we realize through these studies that we got to do it differently. And All Saints Sunday not only gives Zach and Mary and Ben and Amy as godparents, and Scott and Katie, with Ed and Diane standing in for the godparents, uh, Zachary and Mallory, right? Okay. It's not just them. It's all of us. Because All Saints Day is a feast day in the church. And we recommit our lives to Christ. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to do so. Because you know, the community that best teaches their children what their faith is, you know who it is? Mormons. Those kids get up every early Tuesday, every morning to go to seminary where they're taught Mormon doctrine from the time they're in seventh grade all the way through a senior in high school. They go to BYU, and then they go off on a Mormon mission. Most committed. It's a cult. It's not true. You know, the people who've had the worst in raising the, their faith in, in, in Christ in the Christian church? Roman Catholics and mainline Protestants. 
today have the greatest percentage of moralistic therapeutic deists. So how can we avoid these pitfalls? Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at these passages through our covenant. I encourage you to turn to our covenant, which is on page 9 or 10 in your bulletin. Because that's the pattern of discipleship. And what we're going to look at is what is baptism and confirmation? What happens here? And how shall we live? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And the danger in these types of messages is that many of us are empty nesters. Our kids are grown, moved out of the house. And you hear a sermon like this and say, you know, I did all that and they're still not following Christ. Or maybe you feel guilty because you didn't do all that stuff and our kids aren't following Christ. Remember, salvation is God's initiative. And we never stop praying for our children and our grandchildren. And God is always a God of hope. And so today we come and we're going to look at these great truths to see how we might be the parents and godparents, grandparents, disciples we're called to be. First, what is baptism? Well, baptism is a great sacrament in the church. What's a sacrament? As we learned in the catechism, it's an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. The outward and visible sign is the water of baptism in which the candidates are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the one true God. That's important. And the inward and spiritual grace is death to sin and new birth, born again, righteousness, through union with Christ. It signifies and it seals our adoption as saints, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to the Lord and to his church. Well, that's great for a 14-year-old kid who comes forward at an altar call. We see that. But what is happening with our babies today? What is it? I'm glad you asked. 39 articles. Statement of faith. That's our statement of faith. Get familiar with them, dear Anglican friends. Thomas Cranmer wrote this. Baptism is not only the sign of profession and mark of the difference whereby a Christian men are discerned from others that are not christened, but it is also a sign of regeneration or new birth, whereby, as by an instrument, they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church, the promises of forgiveness of sin and our adoption to be sons of God by the Holy Spirit are visibly signed and sealed. You see, it's a balance that's going on here this morning as we bring Cove and Thea into the family of God. As by an instrument stresses the general efficacy of baptism. Okay? And they that receive it rightly stresses that it is far from automatic. Baptism is like a seed. It only germinates when it encounters the water of repentance and the sunshine of faith. God is promising to be with these children as the parents, the godparents, and the church encourage them in the faith. And then when they're ready to profess it for themselves, they come to the bishop to be confirmed, to confirm that faith for themselves. Do we believe the water washes away sin itself? No. Only the blood of Christ does that. But God is beginning a work here. 
There's a spiritual washing. It's mystical. But God is beginning a work in our children, and thus we thank God for it. Richard Hooker, the great Anglican divine, wrote, Baptism puts you into Christ as you allow yourself to be put. Therefore, we repent and believe and we put ourselves forward in Christ. And therefore, we take it for ourselves as we grow older. So if you're in high school and you have yet to be confirmed, confirm your faith. Step forward. Join us in the family of God. And we present you to the bishop to confirm the faith which your parents have been raising you in. Although imperfectly, because none of us are perfect, but at the same time, we're clothed in his righteousness and we walk together in Christ. And so, that's what baptism is, pointing to the one day this child will pr profess it for themselves. But how shall we live? Well, we see the description of a disciple in our membership covenant. This is taken from the 79 prayer book, which... Um, was taken from the ancient church. And so we combined it with 79 and common worship in the Christ Church membership covenant, the baptism covenant. And we all renew our faith today. It's a good day as we remember the saints that have gone before us. And this isn't just things we do. This is just who we are as believers. This is what we do. So first, we are a people of devotion. Notice, it's taken right from Acts 2.42. Are you, will you be devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers? And remember, with all these promises, we say we will with God's help. Because we recognize, I can't, I can't wake up in the morning without God's help. I'm 61. I really can't wake up in the morning without God's help anymore. Much less live and flourish in God's kingdom together. And so, first... We look at as we're people of devotion, and there's four aspects to this devotion. Notice, first aspect is that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching. What's that? It means we're people of the Bible. We're people of the Word of God. We're people who strive to read it, mark it, learn it, inwardly digest it. That I study it in community with other people. And I call one another, we call one another to it. And we're people of the Word, first and foremost. The Deuteronomy reading that we talk about in our families, in our comings, in our goings, we put in our doorposts. We're people of the Word. That's who we are. Secondly, we're people of fellowship. In other words, we do life together. We're people that I have nothing more in common with but this belief in this book and the testimony of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Doing life together in our little churches affords us that great opportunity to do so. So we encourage you to be part of that as we study the word together, fellowship together, um, serve the community together. It's not just drinking coffee after church every Sunday. Three, it's also breaking of the bread. That means that it's, you're devoted to the Sunday service because the breaking of the bread in the ancient church was the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. They did it every week. So it's nothing new to take communion every week. We do it every week on the Lord's Day as, and it was seen as weird to the communities around them. They moved the worship from the Sabbath on Saturday to Sunday to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. And they took the Lord's Supper and they were devoted to it. 
families that are devoted to this time every week at 1030. Trust me, it will pay dividends in your family to circle this day every week and be devoted to it. I would move the 9 o'clock service back to 8 o'clock if our family of travel sports would actually come to it. We had one family from 2007 to 2022 that took advantage of it. So we're not going to do that. But if you did, I'd be glad to do it. Why? I'll do it at 7 o'clock in the morning if people will actually participate and come and be part of the body of Christ together. It's what it means to be devoted to one another, to worship the Lord, to hear the word, to receive the sacrament, and to love one another on the Lord's day. We come not just to hear, but to serve one another and to meet needs on this day. Next, we're devoted to prayer, that we're people of prayer, that we, we just don't pray at dinner times. We pray together as needs are presented in our families, as we gather together. I encourage you to come to our prayer meetings. We've got Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday morning prayer. We've moved midday there to, to morning prayer at 10 a.m. I encourage you to come join us. We also do midday prayer at um, Wednesdays. And we have the monthly night prayer meeting for those who can't make any of those. We're becoming a church of prayer, asking the Lord to move, because we know that when the church gathers to pray together, the Holy Spirit moves. So please, Come join us. We believe in that. We're devoted to it. The next promise we make is a we're people of confession. It says when you repent and return to the Lord, we will with God's help. Because we're people that recognize, like 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's who we are. We believe in repentance and belief. And the Christian life is one of just constant repentance and belief. Repentance and belief. Like the slinky. Remember the slinky toy? Just this continual circles. That's what our lives look like spiritually. Just one constant. We, we believe that we need help. And the Lord is there to help us as we walk with him. Next, we're people of evangelism. We believe this is good news and we want to take it to the world. But I want to warn you. Really, modern-day evangelistic efforts are really more like gardening than harvesting. <laughs> if we go in thinking we're going to win this conversation for Christ, more than likely you're going to be sadly disappointed. Our culture is resistant. Every culture has been resistant. It's okay. We're called to live today, and therefore we're really more gardening than harvesting. Because when you harvest and pick an apple off a tree, it's easy, Right? When's the last time you had someone, oh, please do tell me how I can be saved? You know, that's harvesting, all right? We're not having that. So come to the evangelism workshop in the wintertime. We're going to share with how we might use questions and talk to people and further conversations. And if nothing more, put a stone in their shoe so that they have to think about the reality of God's love for them in Jesus. We believe that. We're people that do that. And turn conversations into spiritual conversations. So we're people of spiritual gardening. Next, we're also people of service. We're people that meet the needs around us. That's why we believe in the importance of our partnership with CRS. The Bayvon Lake Group's partnership with the Avon Lake Schools. There are people who are in needs in the suburbs that we don't see them that they do, but they do have needs. And so therefore, we reach out to them in love. And what a great opportunity we have, not only through Operation Christmas Child, 
which is an international ministry, but through our Santa's workshop. We're going to need your help with taking people shopping. They're going to come to us to Christmas shop. It, what a privilege it is to walk alongside those people and just help them to have some dignity as they shop for their children. Last, we're people of justice. Taken from Micah 6, 8, that we're called to be a people who love justice, do mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And so when we look at the injustices of our day, we stand up even if it's not popular. Last week, go back and listen to it, we stood up for life, for all of life. Not just the pre-born, but also for the immediately post-born through our partnership with Cornerstone Pregnancy Center. If we have a young woman or we know there's a young woman who needs help and she doesn't want to get an abortion and she can go to Cornerstone and they, they will set her up. They can help her with foster care, adoption, or she wants to keep the baby herself. We will be there through that partnership. What a great opportunity we have. And this Tuesday, vote no on issue one. Please, if the church shows up, the Lord will win. Let's, let's go and let's stand for the injustice. It wasn't, it wasn't popular for John Wesley in Bristol, England, where the slave trade was the number one economic driving force in England at the time to stand against slavery. <laughs> in Bristol, of all cities, preaching the gospel, standing against the evils of the slave trade. William Wilberforce, it wasn't popular opinion to stand up in Parliament speak about the evils of the slave trade either. It took 30 years to abolish the slave trade, but God was faithful, and they did. That's who we are. We stand up for the marginalized. So how can I and my family, if I'm finding my conscience pricked a little bit in any of these, you know, probably in every, a few of them were saying, Lord, help me, help me. You don't have to move the needle that much, really, research says, to raise faithful kids to the Lord. Number one, devote this day, Sunday, either at 9 or 1030. And if you have travel sports, talk to me. I'll be glad to move it <laughs> to 8 o'clock again. My 9 o'clock crowd would love it. They're up, you know. And so yeah, they're like, okay, cool. Wear your uniform, come to the assembly. Let's teach our kids that the Lord is not an option. Two, Read the Bible together. Pray together. Around the dinner table, what's your high lows for the day? And then after dinner, thank God for the highs. Pray for the lows for one another. Teach our children how to pray. Just simple sentence prayers. And last but not least, serve. Just serve in the needs around us. We've got opportunities through CRS. They're right before us. What a gift it has been that the Lord has given us this building. Now, Lord, fill it with your people. And so, what I'm trying to say to you is life is not swimming on a lake. We're in a river, <laughs> okay? And the world is drifting us one way. And it's not a hard stroke to learn. We just have to turn and swim the Lord's way. It's a gentle drift. It's subtle. We don't necessarily see it. And the reality is that drift happens. Notice what the author of Hebrews says. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to that which we have heard, lest we drift away from it. 
We all know people that that's happened to. There's no urgency in their walk with Christ. There's no vigilance in their walk with Christ. No focused listening to the word of Christ or considering fixing their eyes on Jesus. And the result is that they're drifting. They're not standing still because there is no standing still. All relationships, you're growing closer in intimacy or you're growing away from intimacy. If we do not listen earnestly to Jesus and consider him daily in our walk and fix our eyes on him hourly, you're going to drift. You'll float away. And drifting is a deadly thing in the Christian life. And the remedy for it, according to Hebrews 2.1, is to pay close attention to it. Fix your eyes on what God is saying and doing in the Son of Jesus Christ. You may be in the river of life, but this is not a hard stroke to learn. The only thing that keeps us from swimming against the culture is not the difficulty of the stroke, but it's the simple desire to go with the flow. Let's not complain that God has given us a hard job. Listen, consider, fix the eyes. This is not what anyone would call a hard job description. It's a solemn invitation to join the Lord at the work that he's doing and to be satisfied in him. We come to Jesus for who he is, not for what we can get out of him. And not to get lured downstream by deceitful desires. And if you're finding yourself drifting today, one of the signs of hope that you are born again is that you feel pricked by this. And you feel a rising desire to turn your eyes to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and consider him and listen to him in the days and weeks and years to come. I'll tell you someone who returned to the Lord. Dr. John Warwick Montgomery turned 92 this year. This past summer, he still is running the academy in Strasbourg, France, that both Zach and I have attended as he teaches people from all over the world what it means to follow Christ. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. He grew up in the PCUSA, he would tell you. And it was the farthest thing from Christianity that you can possibly imagine. He was brilliant. So he went to Cornell University and he majored in classical Greek and philosophy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine? You know, he's brilliant. He's a great thinker. And he walked into a Lutheran church where he heard the good news of Jesus. He heard law and gospel. And goes, and all of a sudden, all that, that, that Presbyterian stuff just kind of came together. The Lord just kind of brought it together for him. And he came to alive in the faith. He graduated and went on and got a law degree. After that, he went on and got an MDiv, and he's an Luth ordained Lutheran minister. He's a citizen of three countries, United States, France, and England. When he's in England in the wintertime, he goes to an Anglican church. And he spent his entire life debating liberal theology and equipping the saints to do the work so that we can be salt and light. Friends, we can not go adrift. Which way are we swimming? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, who lived the life 
we should have lived and was condemned to die the death that we deserve so that we can live in the abundant life and swim his way, not the world's way. And in so doing, we can bring some heaven to earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have here today to remember those who've gone before us, those who, who've loved you and followed you all their days and have stood the test of time. And now, Lord, as we come and we baptize these infants, we pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us and our faith would be renewed as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.